Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. A podcast? In this day and age? What antiques are we talking about this week? Do you know about Texas Ware, Ken? No. Texas Ware is a line of melamine, which is also referred to as Melmac, but that's a brand name. Melamine dishes with a focus on large mixing bowls. Is this a 20th century plastic? It is a 20th century plastic. I've solved your riddle. I'm free at last. Goodbye. Yeah, melamine is a powdered chemical that when mixed with formaldehyde creates a really sturdy resin. Oh. Oh, this has a lot of fun practical application. Yeah. Mostly to corpses. Um... What? I'm just thinking of, like, a modern mummy. Because, like, you know, traditionally an Egyptian mummy is bound in linen and resin. But, like, what if the mummy itself became resin? Because you mix the formaldehyde we traditionally use to embalm corpses with this magical powder. I mean, it's basically what that German guy is doing, right? I don't know who you're talking about. The dude who does the plastination. Oh! Well, yes, melamine isn't not the earliest plastic, but a fairly early plastic. On a scale of one to celluloid, how explosive are we talking? It's not explosive in the slightest. Wow. Unless you microwave it. It will explode when you microwave it. Oh, well, um, good to know. (laughs) So will non-borosilicate glasses, so you know, don't get in a huff about it. Well, we knew not to microwave glass. I mean, notably, melamine was developed in a time before microwaves. What is this time before microwaves you speak of? Well, sometimes you had to cook your food over a fire. Sounds fake, but okay. Melmac is actually a brand of melamine and was a brand of melamine that was sold to third parties from a company called American Cyanamid. So they would sell molding powder to third parties who actually did the manufacturing. I mention this because it's interesting to note American Plastics Company, which is the company that manufactured Texas Ware, is one of the few that manufactured their own molding powders, which led to lower costs and higher popularity over time. Now, melamine was actually invented around 1930. But the thing is, no one really wanted anything to do with it. Because plastic had not really worked out for people in the long run, especially for kitchenware. They tried out Bakelite and casein plastics, which is a milk protein, and they didn't do super well, because casein was constantly drying out and cracking, and Bakelite was ugly. So fucking ugly. And expensive. (laughs) For more on that, check out our Bakelite episode. And it would discolor very rapidly when used in a kitchen setting. So, when melamine hit the scene, no one really wanted jack shit to do with it. Kitchen plastics? No thanks. I'll stick with glass. In fact, it took until the 1950s for anyone to bother with melamine. Due to two factors, extremely aggressive ad campaigns and extremely aggressive quality control. They madmend it. Yeah. Well, in Mad Men, do they make good products? Mostly they cheat on their wives. Oh. Well, so part of the approach which I find interesting was actually to make the product literally as physically high quality as it was possible to make. So that when they advertised it, people would purchase it and see that there actually wasn't really anything wrong with it, leading to a natural popularity. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with it. Try it. We promise. Imagine the days when, how do we make people like our product? And they said, what if it's good? A bold take. (laughs) And then they actually went with that. (laughs) They were like, yeah, I bet a good product would sell well. And they were right. Incredible. Now, Texas Wear, like I said before, was from the plastics manufacturing company in Dallas, Texas. In fact, there is a subtype called Dallas Wear, which I'll get to in a second. These could be any color, any number of colors. They sometimes had screen printed prints on them. But what Texas Wear is possibly best known for is the multicolor design often called spatter wear or confetti wear. These were actually end of day pieces for American Plastics Co. 
What they would do is they would take scraps of the bits of melamine that had been formed into other bowls and plates and stuff, and they would just sort of smear it into the mold, pour in a, a little bit of a main color, thermomold it, and bam, you had these pretty little confetti-looking splattered bolts. Which actually makes them desirable not just because they're the most visually interesting, but because there's fewer of them. They were just end-of-day garbage pieces. I do love me some end-of-day garbage pieces out of the factory. That's how I got the beauty of jadeite. Exactly right! My mother collects these, which is what started me on this journey. And I had no idea that these were end-of-day pieces. I thought that this was a purposeful look. Um, no, this is a u- this was a way to just use unused melamine. And you think they could have been dumping it on bodies this whole time. To think. What, what a grand and intoxicating innocence on their part, huh? I know, right? <laughs> Texas Square was also top of the heap because, in a fit of genius, they considered space thrifting and engineered their bowls with little grooves on the bottom that would make them stack much more easily in a cupboard. Add to that that they manufactured all the raw materials for themselves and sold for $2 a set in the 1950s, and they were Hot Topic. But they weren't sold at Hot Topic. Because Hot Topic didn't exist yet? Because Hot Topic didn't exist yet. God, could you imagine? <laughs> now, the subtype that I was talking about, Dallas wear, is just Texas wear, but way heavier. These were usually manufactured for diners, school lunch trays, actually is where you see it a lot. Just much heavier, much more saturated color. I'm a little flummoxed as to why, because you already couldn't really break melamine. But I guess with children, you really have to prepare for all, like, universalities. If anyone was going to break melamine, it would be a child. Children really do have an uncanny ability to break the unbreakable. They really do. Now, identifying Texas wear, especially the spatter wear, is extremely easy. It, it will be one of generally three or four main colors. Generally white, cream, green, or a really light pink. And it will have smeary, spattery confetti markings all over it. The other thing you can look for is that they all have a molded raised logo on the bottom that says Texas Wear Plastics Manufacturing Co. In a circular pattern. That's awful convenient. Not quite as precise as some other markings, but there are older and newer logos. The older pieces are less stylized and write out the term Plastics Manufacturing Co. While newer pieces are highly stylized and just say PMC. Which is something I didn't know, because all the pieces we have are older. With the bowls, which, like I suggested before, are generally the highest seller and the ones everyone likes the best, you can also see that they have a number stamped under the logo to denote size. This was actually usually for sets. They'd be sold in a set of three. 111 indicates an 8-inch diameter bowl, 118 indicates a 10-inch diameter bowl, and 125 an 11-inch diameter bowl. Legend has it that there are some unusual shapes and sizes that are unmarked. In accordance with the prophecy. I could not find information on this other than it's possible. If you know someone who knows the deep, deep, deep lore, please let me know because I have a couple of pieces that need identification. Write in antiquesreekspodcast at gmail.com. One of the cool things about if you want to get into these things is other than that they are useful to a point, more on that later. <laughs> I always love an asterisk mid-episode. I love them. I use them all the time. But? But there's an asterisk. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> People in antiques and vintage tend to chronically undersell plastic. Generally, they're completely right. But generally doesn't mean every instance, does it? By the dictionary definition, no. Although literally now means figuratively, so who knows? Yeah, well... <laughs> 
it's one of those things where it's very fun because people do not really consider them high value items, even though they, they do have a pretty, pretty solid collector base. I don't think I've ever paid more than $5 for a piece, which is fun. We do love an entry level collectible. Yeah, very good entry level collectible. I love that it has a use. Their resale price, uh, especially online to specific collectors, can be somewhere between $25 and $40, depending on what is the piece. Is it an unusual piece, like a cup, which generally didn't survive as long? A divided tray? Something like that. Is it an unusual color? Which, for the 50s through 70s, you could probably guess is anything other than brown or orange. And that wasn't a joke. I mean, that's literally the more unusual colors for these sets. The size of the piece? Bigger bowl, bigger money. And the quality and condition, which is generally not a problem. These things are extremely hard to break. Even when the shine is off of the plastic and they have a sort of dull matte texture, assuming that it wasn't dishwasher damage, you can just buff that back. Oh. Like like I said, notable difference being dishwasher will scratch it, which cannot be buffed back. But yeah, just the general loss of shine can be buffed right back in. Dang. Most sellers suggest green, blue, and yellow as the most highly coveted colors. And any high contrast color combination, like black, red, and blue on a cream or tan background color. You can also get premium prices for a complete set. The graduated sizes were meant to be sold as a set that nested for good storage. And if you can give someone the whole set, well, they're going to pay good money for that. I can't speak to Dallas Ware's desirability in terms of money. I wouldn't want them because they're heavy. <laughs> really? So this is speculation. They're heavy, and they were made in mass for, like, schools and prisons and stuff. So in general, I feel like that would tank the value compared to, like, the beautiful, like, artistic end-of-day pieces. Okay. So yeah, it's not huge money, but it's good money, especially considering it can be a lot easier to find these pieces at really, really nice cheap prices. Now, let's talk about the thing that killed Melamine, that destroyed its primacy of the kitchen with the advent of dishwashers and microwaves. And two questions. How do you take care of these and are they safe to use? You'll notice I said formaldehyde pretty early on in the episode. Oh yeah! And you probably went, I don't want to eat formaldehyde. Formaldehyde is not good for your living body and arguably not very good for your dead body either. Yeah, well, I mean, depending on what you want your dead body to be doing. I want it to rot. All right, well, and formaldehyde's the worst thing possible for that. Yeah, yeah, I looked into it. Turns out, not great. So I'm gonna start by, how do you take care of Texas Wear if you want to use it like I do? No microwaves, it's fucking plastic. <laughs> no dishwasher. Why? It's fucking plastic. Well, okay, you can put other plastic things in the dishwasher. <laughs> well, it's- But like, this is an early yeah. plastic that includes formaldehyde, so maybe not. And more unusually, no acidic foods. They actually break down the chemical bond that keeps melamine as melamine and not several extremely toxic things. Oh, so this is even worse than cut crystal. Yeah. Now, acidic foods, I did find some studies that suggest that it has to be pretty high acid, but that does include common edibles like vinegar, wine, lemons- that's the thing, we eat a lot of acid. I use them as mixing bowls for baking. I think that's wonderful. They're literally my favorite mixing bowls. They're lightweight, they're graduated sizes, they clean up super easy, and I'm not really cooking any like high acid sauces in them, so like it's fine. And our organs will never return to the earth. They'll be fine. It's safe to use for stuff like that. Anything heat related, absolutely not. Like best case scenario, it'll get brittle and shatter. Worst case scenario, it starts leaching literal formaldehyde into your body. <laughs> So just don't get them all hot and bothered. Like, it's fine. Just make cookie dough in them. That'll be perfectly good. 
Yeah, and the dishwasher early plastics were not formulated to be able to withstand that kind of high heat and pressure. It's the heat. Remember the heat? The heat did that. <laughs> they are safe to use, but watch out. I actually have a lot more confidence using them than crystal. Well, if you drop an early plastic on the floor, it's not going to shatter into a million pieces. The same cannot be said of crystal. Well, I even just like the toxicity of it. Crystal sort of leeches when and how it wants, regardless of what you're doing. And it's also only leeching lead, which is wild for me to say after our lead poisoning episode. But if you have to eat one or the other, lead or formaldehyde, I'd maybe nibble a little lead. I would not. Absolutely, I would take the formaldehyde first. My body can process us a tiny amount of formaldehyde. Really? A tiny amount of lead is very difficult for your body to get rid of. What about you? Lead or formaldehyde? Write in antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. The third time I turn around, pull down my pants, and show my whole ass, obviously I'm not a biologist. I'm pretty okay with biology, but my understanding is that some toxins are easier to purge than others. According to our own lead poisoning episode, lead never leads your body and your body doesn't need any of it, and no amount is technically considered safe. And yet... <laughs> Also, just knowing that melamine has specific use cases in which it will leach, whereas, like I said, Crystal just sort of does it whenever. Just for a larf. (laughs) I know how to use my melamine in a way that is safe and clean and normal. I don't know how to use Crystal anymore. (laughs) At this point, I'm just afraid of it. (laughs) Also, the numbers coming out of Crystal, please go to our lead poisoning episode, absolutely gobsmacked. The lead poisoning episode where they had to do a study on whether or not it was safe to give infants crystal drinking bottles. (laughs) It turns out for a variety of reasons, don't do that. (laughs) Not the least of which everyone will think you're tacky. The least of which is that crystal's heavy. It's going to drop that shit on itself and break (laughs) its whole arm. Good lord. (laughs) Just be prepared with knowledge and you know how to use it safely. No hot dishes, no lemons, please. And by hot dishes, I don't mean putting your warm food on it to serve it. That's fine. I mean like cooking hot, you know? Don't put it in the oven. I didn't mention that I really should have. It's not oven safe either. It's not stovetop safe. Any place where you think, hmm, that's a bit toasty. Maybe don't put this. Yeah. But you know, you got the mac and cheese out of the pot and you put a plate in it up. Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Now, the other danger with shopping for Texas ware... Fucking Rachel Ray! No, did she pull a Martha? Rachel Ray pulled the worst Martha of all time. Did she make Repro? She made her own line. I, I don't. Is it fair to call them? They have a different name, so I like almost don't want to call them reproductions. No, we can call them Repros. We can call her out. She'll never hear this. They're Repros. It's her <laughs> own line of reproduction Texas wear called Garbage Bowls. They're not actually called that, are they? They are actually. That is the official name. And mind you, that was a nickname for the Texas wear because, like I said, of end of day use of garbage material. Oh, so she's tanked our SEO on this one when we're looking for the genuine stuff. That's one thing that is a problem. Although most people go by Texas wear, so not a huge problem. Uh... I just, Rachel Ray, none of her products have ever hit. They're always so fucking unpleasant. Like garbage, I don't want to buy that. Her extra virgin olive oil bottle looks like a penis. She's so bad at marketing. But she's Rachel Ray. Well, they didn't hire her to market. They hired her to cook. So, like, now they sell super well. So there's another pretender to the throne, a company called Zack Designs. And actually, I do own a couple of these just because I like plastic bowls for mixing. They offer a line of recycled melamine products sold under the brand name Confetti. So having handled and used the Zack Designs, they're actually pretty obvious. They have much brighter colors. They've got colors you would have never used in the 50s. And the confettiing is not as smeary or spattery, if that makes sense. It's also worth noting that the Zack Bulls do just say Zack on the bottom. So very easy at a glance to tell that it's a repro. 
I like that they're recycled. I think that's neat. Recycling is dope. Yeah, like uh, that's sweet. Rachel Ray's actually are a lot harder to tell. That they're repro? Yeah, that they're reproduced. They cleave a lot closer to the originals in a lot of ways. Some of them are brighter colors or just unusual colors. So the too good to be true rule sort of applies here. Like she's got one in Robin's egg blue. That would have been pretty unusual. Other than that, the spattering doesn't, again, like the Zach Bulls smear as much. It looks a lot more like Terrazzo. God, I hate Terrazzo. <laughs> I know you hate Terrazzo so much. You should do an episode on Terrazzo tiles. No. <laughs> Nothing to say about it except like, yep. Why do you make episodes just to hurt me? Just like, you just, the episode would just be like, yep, the Italians sure make flooring. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, with the Rachel Ray, I would watch out. I am told that they are marked. I've never actually handled one, uh, but they're marked smaller, which seems sort of unfair. Again, it's not like a huge problem. All of these bulls have on the bottom what they are, with a couple of exceptions for Texas wear, in which case they're just going to be unmarked. But, you know, keep your eye on a swivel a little bit. Don't get tricked. Don't get fooled. Don't get too excited all the time. That's how you make mistakes. I was surprised to find myself being a person who was into collecting plastics, but here we are. Here you are. Wherever you go, there you are, collecting plastic. <laughs> Do you got any uh, questions about Texas Wear Red? Nope. In the town of Agua Fria? Nope. I was kind of hoping you'd keep up the song, but you were just like, I'm not, not today. I don't know that song. What? Oh my god, okay. Well, I'll play that for you later. <laughs> Sources for today include Greensburg Daily News, the big boys of plastic Texas Wear, MoneyTalkNews.com, their article on Texas Wear, firstadream.blogspot.com, Texas Wear Melamine Dishes from the 50s. Very fun blog. They actually have very handy links to all of their posts about Texas Wear, which is mostly them sharing their collection. Hobbylark.com, collecting Melmac dinnerware vintage fun. And worthpoint.com, don't, <laughs> don't mess with Texas Wear, the vintage kitchen melamine. If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly at Podcast at gmail.com. You can post on our Facebook group at Friends. You can tag us on Tumblr at antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com or you can post on our Instagram at instagram.com slash antiquesfreaks. If you liked me referencing a Western song Ken didn't know, feel free to scroll on down wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave us a review. Five stars for us, perhaps? I love that song, you might say. No stars? I also don't know it and fuck you. <laughs> And if you need more Antiques Freaks in your week, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks, where every week we are reading and reviewing a chapter of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire or the Feast of Blood. We've been doing it for years now, and I don't know that we all ever stop. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right. You. Au revoir. Goodbye.